This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, the porn cast that wants your enthusiastic consent. I am your host, Yvette Dontrema, aka The Side Babe, with my good friend, Alice, and this week our guest is Sin Sage. Let's start off with Alice. What's happening this week? Nothing too much. I'm really excited about our guest. I have so much to learn, especially about lady parts. Even though I have lady parts, I feel like I just haven't intimately gotten to know them as well as Sin has. <laughs> you definitely need to sit down with a mirror and get to know your lady parts more. I feel you might be lady part phobic of your own, but you know, this is, this is why we have uh, Sin. So welcome on to our happy little porn cast, Sin. Uh, hello. I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Thank you for spending some time with us. Just to start right off, Alice, you you did a little bit of research into Sin's background and history. Let's go into that a little bit. I'm going to keep it a little simple. You've done well over 300 films, which is crazy. You're going to have to quantify that for me. It sounds like a lot just by... <laughs> I mean, it's 300 films. It's crazy to me. That's number one. You're an AVN award winner. So not only do you do the porn, but you're really good at what you do. So <laughs> I need to learn some techniques or our listeners need to learn some techniques. And then lastly, I mean, let's put it this way. You're so good that you have a reputation as the girl that makes other girls limp. Oh, wow. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Oh, hey. I have serious questions about that now. <laughs> so one of the other things that came up was that you only do girl on girl scenes. What was behind that decision? All right. Well, for me, so the reason 300 films, some somewhere around that number, I'm sure is accurate is because I've been doing this for a little over 15 years. Cheers to staying power. Yeah. Right. I started when I was a little, little over 18, uh, 19 years old. When I started in the sex industry, I had a long-term like monogamous committed relationship with a man at the time. And we stayed together for nine years. <laughs> so when I first started doing porn, he was the type of person like he wasn't super enthusiastic about it. He wasn't like, I'm not allowing you to do this, but because he knew that that's kind of what I always wanted to do. But our relationship dynamic was such that it's like, I wasn't going to have sex with other men, you know, like he was my boyfriend. I was committed to him um, as far as men. And so I had more freedom when it came to women and as far as performing um, in videos, being a porn star, it was like, women is okay. Men would violate, you know, our rules basically. And I was a hundred percent fine with that. Like to me, it wasn't even really a, something I considered. Like I, I just knew I wanted to be in porn. I never even considered like, will I do guys or will I do girls or whatever? Like I was just like, I'm going to be in porn. And then when it started, it was just like, well, I'm not going to fuck other guys. So that's kind of how that started. And then when I left him nine years later, it was a very unhealthy relationship. There were a lot of problems. So that took a lot of strength for me to finally do that after so long. So when I was single and I had that freedom, I could make the decision for myself if I wanted to start doing boy-girl or not. And I, I said, you know, I'd consider it, but I wanted to give myself like a year or so after leaving that relationship you know, four months later, I met the man who is now my husband and we have, you know, similar dynamic. But the thing is too, is that like, 
By the time I had left my ex, I had been in the industry for nine years and I have been behind camera for boy girl scenes. I've met tons of male performers and I've watched the dynamic between the boys and girls on set and when they perform. And just for me, like all I can say really is just, it's not for me. Like, it's just not for me. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's a good enough reason. Yeah. Yeah. So my husband and I, say like a, a year into us um, dating, he started uh, webcamming with me occasionally. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just developed. We got taken, a friend of mine that lives in Budapest and shoots some fetish sex videos out there, flew us out. We did our first like boy girl scene together. We did a boy girl and a boy girl girl. So that was really fun. And then now we create content for ourselves and our own stores and stuff. So I still do tons of girl girl and I do tons of fetish stuff and I do boy girl with my husband. Like if we feel like shooting something or if I get a custom, we'll make stuff together. Nice. Now, I understand you always wanted to do porn. This was something that you were aiming to get into. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So I, I, okay, well, I've always been a performer. So I've always been on stage ever since I think I did my first onstage performance at school when I was like six years old. And anytime family had a camera around, I would jump in front of it and mug for the camera and so it's just always been Alice like Alice and I are both hams, so we uh-huh. love this. Yes, a ham. I, my family would always call me a ham. So <laughs> I dreamed big at the time, kind of. You know, I always wanted to like be a movie star or a musician or just something like performance-wise. And as I got a little bit older, puberty age. First of all, I was realizing my bisexuality, my queerness at that time, as most people do. Then I was also just realizing like I kind of wanted to marry those two things. Like I, I felt a little, I felt sexual. And then, you know, I went into high school and I didn't have a lot of sex. Like I I think like I had sex for the first time when I was 15, but it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't much. (laughs) Like it was really awkward and wasn't really a great experience. And then I didn't have sex again until I was like 17. And that's kind of when I had like a little bit of a sex life developing, but it was way before then that I was already like, I want to be a porn star. I want to be a stripper. Like for some reason that that was just a dream I had. It was just something I desired. And like, I'm one of the few people I know that grew up and became exactly what I wanted to be. (laughs) I think that's wonderful. That's, That's awesome. That's fantastic. There's no sad story here. There's just you wanted to do this and went for it and had a like a good experience doing this, right? So yeah, I I feel that you know I've been really lucky because I came in at a magical time. I was hitting all the right buttons, and I've just been super lucky that I've not only not had any particularly negative experiences, but I've had this sort of longevity that I've had, which is pretty amazing in this business. And definitely, you know, I know that it's a huge misconception or a huge um, stereotype of people that do what I do, that we're all abused and we're all suffering and we're all um, having terrible experiences or we had them when we were younger or whatever. And though certainly that's true for some people, um, it's not true for me at all. I was raised by a loving family. I never experienced any abuse. I'm really grateful for that. But, you know, I mean, people in every industry have experienced that stuff, like not just in the sex industry. So, um, exactly. That gets, that gets kind of old sometimes that like we all need rescuing or something. It's like, I guess those people have never met me. 
Let's save you from a job that you love. That you love so much. Exactly. (laughs) So I'm curious, you've been in the industry now for 15 years. What's changed or what have you learned about the industry or yourself since joining porn? You know, Uh, so many things have changed. (laughs) (laughs) Less less hair? How much time do we have? Yeah, Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, how, many, how much time do we have? Um, so many things have changed in the world. I mean, when I first started, I barely had access to the internet. Uh, the internet was still a really new place, pretty much. Oh, man, yeah. 2002, 2003. I was answering ads in the back of uh, like OC Weekly for nude models needed 18 to 50, like just call this number. And um, that's what I did. And I called the number and then it's like, you know, he's going to have me come out and do a photo shoot. And I'm like, how do I get to your place? And I have to write it down directions because I didn't like, we didn't have oh my God. smartphones. There was no GPS. Like MapQuest era. Yep. MapQuest. But I, I didn't have my own computer at the time. So I'd have to go to uh, like an internet cafe. Those things that barely don't really exist anymore anymore. Yeah. So it was a long time ago. And then the difference too is back before tube sites came along and really like changed everything. You know, you could, if you could make a pretty good living just getting hired to do shoots. So I was getting hired a lot to do a lot of performances and stuff like that. But sort of since the industry took a major turn as far as tube sites sort of taking over, we've had to change the way we do business somewhat. So now it's about like marketing myself. I can't rely on getting hired to do shoots in the same way. Like most most of us have become producers as well as webcam models, as well as we do text stuff, we do phone stuff. Like we have we have to get creative and ambitious and become our own business. So you're a production team. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah. my husband, my husband and I pretty much run a production company now and we produce tons of custom videos and sell them on clip stores. And that's the main way that uh, we make an income these days. It's not necessarily a terrible thing. It's just a different thing. But it's definitely changed a lot. And the other thing I would say that has changed, I mean, even just since since I got in, it started to change that there's so many more female producers of content, female directors. Like it's not a boys club anymore as much as it once was, I would think probably in the 90s and stuff. And like there's a lot of accountability now. So people, we have to be treated well, or at least a certain level of respect, our boundaries have to be respected because, you know, we'll call people out now. We've got all the social media and you can't get away with treating us badly. I mean, also, it's a small industry. Everyone knows everyone. So pretty small. Probably shouldn't fuck people over. Exactly. Exactly. If you get a bad name, like nobody's going to want to work with you. But the other thing about that too, is that one of the other changes is, you know, in the nineties, how many porn stars were there? Maybe like less than a hundred early two thousands. Okay. Maybe a couple hundred. Now every girl with like a little camera on her laptop can be a model, can make a video. I'm hearing some really spooky sounds. This is a ghost friendly podcast. You know, we're (laughs) we're accepting of everyone here. It's we have ghosts ghosts. Uh, getting back onto the subject, you know, you've been in, in the industry for a while. Like back in the 90s, you said there were maybe less than 100 porn stars. So you've been around for a while. You've seen a lot of different things. You kind of know how to suss out what makes for a good scene partner. But unpack that a bit for us. What makes for a good scene partner? 
Oh man, what makes for a good scene partner is And of course we know everyone you've acted with has been wonderful and a great scene partner. We know we know every this, of course. Single, every single one of them. Of course. Every last labia was delicious. We know it. <laughs> every pussy was perfect. Well, every pussy is perfect in its own way. Everyone showered. <laughs> um, no, what what honestly what makes a good scene partner is someone who is friendly. Someone who is willing to engage with me in conversation. So like when I show up on set, let's say I'm sitting, I'm getting my makeup done or we've got some time, you know, there's always, there's always some time. And in those moments, like I will like to turn to the person and say, you know, hello, I'm Sin. You know, okay, let me, you know, I'll ask them a few questions. Like, how long have you been doing this? Where, where are you from? Like, how old are you? Like just various things. And if they either like ignore me or they're totally standoffish and I don't even feel like there's an opening for me to ask that in the first place because they're staring in a mirror, using their phone to take selfies and just completely ignoring me. Then I'm not going to be able to feel that friendliness and that sense of connection. On the other hand, if I ask these questions and they are like enthusiastically answering me and they're asking me questions and we can develop a little bit of a rapport, then I know that by the time we get to the point where action, we're going to be able to make eye contact and kiss and feel that connection better. And just everything about the scene will be better. It'll be hotter. I will enjoy it more. <laughs> like, you know, I like to get a little, like to know a little bit something. Definitely for me, it's not all about just, oh, look at you, you're hot. If we can get a little something with the brains going, then it's going to be hotter. <laughs> and so even in porn, you need some amount of connection. Yeah. And I, I can't even imagine, you know, ignoring someone or being a dick to someone before you have a scene with them. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's just I'm, I'm like, I'm sure you've gone through it. You know, it's like oh, people yeah, just texting or completely ignoring you before, you know, you're supposed to eat them out. But it's like, yeah, look, you're my coworker. I'll, I'll be down there in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely people like that. Oh, and that's that's fine. Maybe I'm just old fashioned and I want to know people before I, you know what? I'm just, I'm old school. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> well, I mean, for sure, you know, being in porn, it's like, we're not going to know each other for more than a half an hour <laughs> before we start fucking. But, you know, it, all it takes is a little bit to, to let me know that like, you also have an interest in me. And then I can feel a little more like less reserved and it's just better. But yes, there are plenty, there's all types of people out there and there's all types of people in the porn industry and going to experience it all. <laughs> all I can say is I, I hope that all my scenes come across as good connections, whether or not I was really having one. I was just saying that kind of leads into another question I had. Is there a big difference in uh, the depiction of lesbian sex for, uh, how do, shall we phrase this, for wank material for heterosexual men as opposed to lesbian sex that's kind of geared more towards uh, women? Oh, I think for sure. So wait, Eva, you're telling me that oh, not all lesbians have massive long fingernails and scissors all the time? From the gay sex I have had, uh, no. <laughs> Sometimes I've had long nails, but you know, the only time I've successfully scissored, there's been a Hitachi between me and the other girl. I have a lot so to say about this. That's oh, I want to hear everything. <laughs> let's, oh, let's hear. Let's hear all of it. It's all the so, details, all of them. Just have it all gush okay. out. Sorry, so, I'm a 12 year old boy. 
No, you're good. Hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag phrasing. So first of all, I used to also have this uh, sort of discrimination against women who uh, might have long nails, but I've known plenty of like queer performers who express themselves like with uh, their body more like creatively. So like uh, lots of tattoos and maybe piercings and like part of their um, expression of self, you know, will include like some crazy long fingernail. Um, And for me, uh, if I'm doing a scene with someone who has kind of like fake nails, I'll probably ask them not to uh, finger me regardless, just because I've underneath the nail can be a little, little haven for bacteria and stuff. But you know, but it's, Ooh, it's, it's yeah. fine. Like that, that's, there's not a reason that we can't do plenty of other things with each other. Would it hurt? That's um, with a nail. So, I mean, with an exceptionally right. long one, that's what I'm thinking. If we're talking about like fingering, you know, I, I think there are things you can do if you're, you got a lot of finesse and technique and mindfulness. The type of hard fingering you have to do to, for instance, get someone to have a squirting orgasm, I would not no. want someone to do that to me no. with long nails. I, I, I wouldn't either. I would say no <laughs> to that. That's yeah. what I was picturing, yeah, no, just I to be you. clear. So, and I was, oh, no, that's no. where I was kind of totally internally good, totally cringing. But, okay, um, cool. <laughs> but yeah, so it's definitely so, something where, you know, we, we discussed before scenes, what's okay with me, what's okay with you, what's not okay. So, and honestly, most of the time with fingernails or no, girls tend to almost always say like, I'd really prefer you don't finger me. That happens all the time, which is fine for me. But the other thing is, is like scissoring. Okay. Scissoring. (laughs) I believe that the term scissoring is something that a man made up. (laughs) The real word for it is tribbing. Tribbing is something because, okay, so tribidism is a word that's Greek and it means just like rubbing. Well, it comes from a, what is it? Tribe, tribe aid. I'm adding this to my vocabulary for later. (laughs) It's like an ancient Greek word and it basically means like lesbianism or, but it's just rubbing your vulva on something. So technically tribbing is grinding your vulva against a leg, an arm, another vagina, whatever it might be. It's just like the rubbing of your girl parts on another person's parts. To me, like when I hear the term... Does it have to be another person to be a truly yeah, trip? Yeah, right. Because I know like a lot of people like masturbate, especially when they're younger, by like grinding up on a couch or something like that. I- I'm not sure if we would call that tripping. I think it's like another human being is involved. Yeah. But yeah, so so for me, when I say tripping, it's... I don't know if you got a chance to see me doing that at all, but it's... I'll place my vulva against the other girl's vulva and try to make sure that like our clits are touching and that we're really getting like that action. But I'm doing it like with one of her legs is back and I'm facing her and I'm looking her in the eyes and grinding my body against her and kissing her and holding her close to me. Whereas when I think of scissoring, I think of like two scissors like this and I, one girl is back over here and the other girl is back over there. And we're like looking across the length of our bodies at each other. And it's also far more difficult to do it that way. And I also feel like that is unrealistic. I, I can't help but picture a certain scene from South Park when Mr. Garrison had transitioned and discovered he was a lesbian. And yes. Oh, yeah. It's. 
Scissor me timbers. Scissor me timbers. And I think (laughs) think that's where it came from. Yeah. That it's like a kind of a joke term. And then people in porn started like taking it, you know, so... So typically, like when I'm shooting a lesbian scene and, you know, a director is being a little uh, choreographing the scene too much. And then he says something like, it's always a man. And he'll be like, let's get some scissoring in there. (laughs) And I'm just like, like you are just you don't you don't get it, man. (laughs) I can get it. But so for me, it's like it's like you, sir, have obviously never had lesbian sex. So actually, this leads me to a question one of our patrons asked. So Josh asked, you know, how much of the camera sex is scripted or blocked out ahead of time versus how much of it is improvised? It's almost never blocked out. It's almost never scripted. Oh, yeah. Hmm. So that is that is not what I would have guessed. Yeah, man. <laughs> cool. And I'll Mind say, blown. I'll definitely say that. If you want to get the most passionate and authentic performance, you're going to let two girls do what two girls do. And you're going to have cameras that you move around and you catch what you need to catch as a camera person and a director. And you don't interject too often and say, I need you to do this and I need you to do that. Because then you're going to get a clunky scene where the action keeps stopping and starting again. And it's not an authentic performance. Now, that, that being said, if you have two girls who are like maybe fairly new, you maybe need to like give them a little encouragement or say like, okay, we've been doing this for a while now. Why don't we move to this? That's a good way of directing as opposed to being like, okay, first thing we're going to do, you got, you're going to go down on her. So let's get that and action. You know, and then we do that for a little while. And then it's like, okay, cut. Now we're going to need you to bend over. We need some penetration. So why don't you stick your fingers in her? And you know what I mean? It's just anytime that happens as an artist, I find it very frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) It just sounds so, um, it sounds exactly what it's, and it sounds like robot button pressing. Totally. As a director, you want to create something that's like fiery and passionate. You're not going to get it when you over direct in that sense. So there's, so there's gotta be a balance as a director. You have to find a, a balance. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Hopefully I feel like I answered that question. <laughs> so I have to ask, so as an artist, what makes great sex? Yeah. Passion, uh, eye contact. I mean, you talked about yeah, it. Passion, connection, connection. Um, gripping and grasping and, and giving yourself over to it. You know, I think like taking your blocks down, taking your barriers down, letting the other person in, in a sexual way. And even if it's just for those few moments, even if it's just for that 20, 30, 40 minute scene, however long, like, and it's not just for a scene. I mean, we're talking in, in real life too. When you have mental and emotional barriers put up to protect yourself from like rejection or humiliation or whatever, you're going to be keeping something in between you and that other person that's going to make it not as good. I feel that that's that's true for all sex, even if it's someone that you just met and you're having like a one night stand. The best thing you can do is just take those barriers down and be fully in that moment and be fully present and fucking have fun and let go of all your insecurities because all of those things like get in the way. Considering that most of our audience is I'm going to assume predominantly male just because we're women talking about porn. Um, (laughs) Just a guess. Um, Taking a gander. (laughs) 
yeah, just throwing it out there. I'm going to take a wild stab at this and say you're an expert at fingering and eating girls out. What are maybe some common mistakes or things that can be... I don't know. Okay, I know that everyone's going to be different. Yvette, you're welcome to chime in on this. I mean, I just... I mean, look, I've never personally eaten out a woman. I mean, again, little... Are you straight? Yes, I... Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm not answering this well. (laughs) She is the straightest straight girl that has ever straighted. Uh, My my sexual orientation is generally yes. No, that's... I'm genuinely curious. I'm very vanilla. I'm sorry. No. I'm apologizing for how conservative I'm coming to this podcast in. A year from now, I'm going to look back and say, wow, I did not know... Yes. A year from now, I hope she has an armoire full of well-used sex toys, as do I. Uh, I have a chest at least. I have an armoire. You'll get there one day. But here's the thing. like I think not having uh, performed cunnilingus on someone else makes it sometimes hard to to know what you want on yourself. Like it's, I swear to God, being bisexual is helpful (laughs) in in figuring out what you want for you. I I think that's possibly that's, true but at least that's my you know people ask me all the time about uh that you know i have so many women going down on me all the time and i will say that this is going to break a lot of hearts i think but um the people who have always been the so i have two my my ex and my current husband have gone down on me the best than anyone in the universe <laughs> like and they're men <laughs> so you know i, I don't Nothing feel like it's, yeah and i don't feel like it's ever like prescribed like oh a woman's just got to be better it's like no a person is good when when they're thoughtful and they pay attention to your body and they want you to have an orgasm and oh, they yeah. listen to the noises you make and they listen to the words you say and you know that's what makes a good lover period when it, so i think that a lot of common mistakes that men make there's a, there's a couple of things. Uh, as far as fingering, like, you know... Alice and I are both leaning in. We're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think a lot of times men uh, think that things have to be... They watch a lot of porn, right? And the porn they watch is maybe like the super energetic, super high, you know, everything's really fast and intense. And I think in real life, that's not really what women always want, especially when it comes to fingering. Like, I don't need you to pound away on my pussy. And this is with your dick too, like a fucking jackhammer. Just, and especially when it comes to fingering, like, especially if you're using it as a form of like foreplay, um, I think when you start real slow and you make it very sensual, like, right, your ins- your noises that you instantly make are, mm-hmm, you know, because that's what feels good. The other thing I'll say is, this might just be for me because I have experienced girls who uh, do like the curling of the fingers. I prefer more of like an upward pressing of the fingers. So, you know, again, you'll just have to ask. You'll you'll do it both ways and say, which do you prefer? Do you like when I press upwards or do you like when I curl my fingers upwards? You know, for me, the curling makes me have to pee a little bit too much. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's one of those depends on if I've gone to the bathroom recently exactly, or not. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, but I like that as far as, especially if you're going down and you do it, the fingers nice and slow and you have your tongue like. I think when you go down on a woman, you should, the entire vulva area, like from top to bottom, from left to right, deserves attention in the beginning. So breathing all around it, kissing the left side, kissing the right side, a little bit of tongue lightly over the top. Like this is teasing, like this is what's going to get the pussy wet and make it so that like you're teasing so much that you 
I want that tongue, like give it to me on my clit. Like by the time you get there, it's just an explosion because you've like taken your time, like teasing, you know what I mean? And then do like just the surface of your tongue because your taste buds actually create this texture that's really nice all across the top of the clit. Like don't immediately like pull up on the clit and go to town on the clit itself because for a lot of girls, that's way too much. Like for me, that's too much. Like I need over the top of it. And then also don't do that thing that you see in porn a lot where the guy like sticks his tongue out and like super flicks it really fast. I don't think that's very sexy. (laughs) I think it looks good in porn, but it doesn't necessarily work out in real Uh life. Like are there, are there things that look great in porn and then just not really. Sin, before you answer that question, I just have to say that your description I'm fairly confident some people paused the podcast, <laughs> did what they needed to do, and are now coming back. So I, I'm fairly confident I'm going to listen to yes. it later and do exactly that. I'm just saying. I love it. So hey, thank you for that. And I'm, I'm hoping a few people learned a few things out of that. You're, it's, we're an educational podcast. I mean, hell, a lot of you guys learn the word, along with us, a lot, a lot of us learn trimming today. So... We're here here to give you the sex ed that you never got. Absolutely. I mean, considering how prudish my education was, this is definitely a left turn. I went to Catholic school for kindergarten through eighth grade and then for college as well. So, of course, I mean, I was raised so Catholic that I lost it in the ass first. So, I mean, that's that's pretty Catholic. Those stories. Yep, yep, yep. Because Jesus doesn't care about your asshole, only your pussy hole. Yeah, your your asshole is as uh, as Hall and Oates will call it. It's the it's the sex that God can't see. Exactly. So, I, I mean, I love that. Song. I, yeah, that's it's a, oh man. Like, and it was funny because when I heard, first heard that song, I was like, oh, I'm not alone. Other people know about this horrible phenomenon that happens when you train yes. Catholic girls into thinking they're going to hell if they have yes. sex. Which once they finally leave Catholicism, they realize, oh, I have a lot of time to make up for. Yes, girl. Yes. <laughs> so, totally. Oh yeah. There's time. Time has been made up for. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. So to go back to the tripping thing for just a moment, I think there's also this uh, misconception about tripping that uh, lesbians don't really do that. And the thing about any sex act is that you can never make a blanket statement for an entire community of people. Yeah. Some lesbians probably don't do it. And I would understand that. And it's totally fine for them to decide that for themselves, obviously. But I've been in lesbian experiences, not on camera, where absolutely that was the thing that we did because some women... Like, so this also still relates to the oral thing. Some women require a lot of pressure. So when you're like tickling their clit with your tongue and like lapping their clit with your tongue and you're rubbing and stuff and it's all just fine, but it's maybe just, it's not really giving them what they need. They need the heavy pressure and then the rubbing. So it's almost like the heel of your hand would do better or you stick your tongue out, but you're really just pressing your face deeply into their clit and they'll like grind on it. And it's the grinding action that they need to get off. And so women who are like that, tripping is fucking great because they get that intimacy of putting their pussy on your pussy and the grindage that they need to really get off with, you know, with their clit in that position. So 
for some people, it's just not going to work. But for some people, um, that's perfect thing for them to get off t- with. And I just like to be a facilitator of whatever it is that you need. <laughs> I One thing I love about tripping is just that to me, it's just like incredibly intimate. I just think it's hot as fuck. Like a pussy rubbing on my pussy. Ugh. It's just hot. Like, I love it. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm stuttering. I left you yeah, speechless. Exa- <laughs> I'm, I, I, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It is yeah, hot. That's, whew, hold on. Yeah, but it's, she stutters, yeah. but not this much. So you made you put her at a loss for words. Hold on, tripping. That's going to be my new thing. It's but what it did make me think of though is that you know some people because I've used uh, Hitachi on female partners before. Some of them need it very lightly, and some of them want that deep pressure with it uh, on the same spot. And it's got to be you know it's kind of the same thing. God bless the Hitachi. Uh, yeah, I feel like one day, like when we have a larger base of female listeners, there's going to be like we'll do a contest of a Hitachi giveaway. Ooh, absolutely. Are amazing. The original model yes. is amazingly inexpensive for all the good work it does. Oh God! So God bless it. And it's and, and <laughs> gentlemen, if you're out there listening and you're not sure what to do with a vagina, you've had difficulties. Oh, make yes. yourself look like you understand women's needs. Get a Hitachi. Yes. Yes. Just yes. you. Yes. W- women will look at you like, oh, you. Lo- you're a feminist. You're a sensitive man because you bought a fifty-five dollar robot. That's why. So. And not only that, but guys who enjoy stimulation down there. So if you enjoy, for example, um, having vibrations near yes. your balls, Hitachi. Yeah. Just, you know, exactly. And then if you're a little daring and or like if you're somebody who is into prostate simulation, uh, prostate uh, toy plus a Hitachi just touching the end of it. Oh, I've heard I've been told good things from some of my guy friends. I was just going to say the other thing about the Hitachi. Yeah, like I've heard, you know, you'll hear from women sometimes in there that have said that they've never had an orgasm. And I'm like, have they heard of the Hitachi? Like, have they just never heard of this thing? Because I I feel like it could really get you there. Yeah, how could it not? I, you know, I dated a girl who uh, had never had an orgasm, used a Hitachi, and it didn't work. So some people might just might just be missing. It could be a mental block. Definitely, of course. When it comes to us women, like we're so so mental. Um, our the, our our brains for sure are biggest sex organ. So I know I'm not saying that it's you know impossible not to have one with a Hitachi, but I'd say that if you try it by yourself and you make a romantic setting for yourself and you breathe and you kind of like meditate a little bit and you and you let everything go and then you turn on that Hitachi and you put it all over your body and you you experiment with various pressures and various uh, locations on your vagina like I I think it's a lot more likely to happen perhaps (laughs) I do wonder like I think if somebody uh, gets to a point where they haven't been able to get off for a very long time they put so much pressure on themselves that there's you know that even if it's just I wonder if yeah there has to be a sort of mental block on it at that point but yeah like it's probably easier to do it alone if it's been like if there's that much of a you know I haven't been able to do this Yep. Yet 
thing. So, but always start alone for sure. How else can you tell someone else what you want done? Yeah. It's like, if you're not sure that'll, that'll be a good place Absolutely. to start. Absolutely. And it's great during sex. It's great during men and man, girl sex, PV sex. Like, <laughs> Oh God, I love it. <laughs> As all the listeners out there can tell, we're big fans of the Hitachi. And I mean, there are so many, there we're not sponsored by them yet. No, one day, one. All this free promotion are getting oh, Jesus. Yeah. There are so many much more expensive toys out there. And it's like, no, 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 don't bother. Seriously. Just I have gotten one more expensive toy that I really, really enjoyed. And this is going to be, this is way more information. Oh, do tell. Um, it's a butt plug that kind of, it has a thing around the rim that basically like it rotates slash vibrates. So it feels like you're getting a rim job. Oh, that sounds awesome. Uh, and, it's, and I believe, huh. I could be misremembering, but it's either remote or app controlled and I forget which, but that was quite, uh, that one is delightful. So, but that's the only one that I've gotten that was more expensive than the Hitachi that I was like, oh, oh, that's, that, that's yeah, quite that nice. Awesome. I was a fan. I think eventually what we're going to have to do is create a Christmas list for our listeners so that way they can see all of our favorite toys. You know, I, I think we'll call it something along the lines of stocking stuffers for when you want to get stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> it's stocking stuffers and other stuffers. Oh, mm-hmm. working we'll title. figure something out. We are punning linguists. <laughs> I do identify as a pun sexual. Oh, yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny. I heard someone a while ago say that they were not identifying as bisexual anymore. That they moved on to pansexual. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? Bi- mm-hmm. Bisexual works for me. Oh, yeah. I just, I think that there are fluid distinctions between all of these things. And it's really, oh, yeah. it's really kind of like yeah. what you feel suits you best as a label, since we've all got to pick something. So for me, like yep. I do like men and I do like women, right? But I like them in different ways. I like them for different reasons and for different things. And also I like trans women and I like trans men and I like every variation of everything in between. So for me, pansexual is great. Queer is the main thing that I use. I just identify as queer. Bisexual for myself is a little too limiting, a little too black and white. I don't feel like it describes my sexuality aptly. So I choose queer, like that's what works best for me. I like to joke that I'm a sex amoeba, but I just go with bi because it's what I always have. It's like, if you if you have genitalia and I like your personality, then we'll get along. So Sin, we actually had a question on our Patreon that said they were curious if you could shed some light on some LGBT issues within porn. I'm sure that, again, you've been around for 15 years. You've seen a lot. So maybe you could speak a little to that. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, of course. I don't know if there was like a specific question there, but I I will say that... uh, Not really. That's what he asked. So very vague. Go for it. Yeah. Well, there are a lot. The good, the bad, ugly. Yeah, there's there's good and bad and ugly. I think there's been a lot of positivity, you know, as a, a society, as we have progressed, so too has porn somewhat. And, you know, like everything, it takes a long time to get there. But queer porn is very popular. And I love that. And, you know, I'm I'm a huge, like I'm a major LGBTQ rights person. Like that's probably like my number one passionate issue as far as problems with the world today. So I think that porn can be, you know, a little political in a certain sense where it's like, let's make what we want to make with the people we want to make it with and let's have sex the way that we want to have sex. So, so, you know, sometimes like I work for 
This even goes back to something that you mentioned earlier. I do work for companies that shoot what I consider like girl, girl porn. And then I work for companies that I consider shoot lesbian porn. And I I feel like there's a little bit of a distinction there because girl, girl, I think it's a little more like for the male gaze. I'm not saying that 100% of the time. And that's the stuff that tends to be a little more over-directed. And lesbian porn, I think, is like you're allowed to be a little more free and to do what you would normally want to do. But even that doesn't go quite as far as queer porn. You know, I, I know that a lot of the lesbian companies that I work for you know, we can't pull out a Hitachi in the scene and use it on each other because... (laughs) That's cheating. Yeah. And they have like a really specific audience that only wants to see certain types of things. And I totally get that. I mean, it's a business. But what's what I feel is great about, you know, queer porn is that it's like nothing's off limits. You know, you can fist. If you like to be fisted, like pull on a fucking rubber glove and like get your fist up in there. Like it's become something that's a little more popular these days. And and what I love too is the fact that there are so many people out there who are so dissatisfied with porn because they're searching for the stuff that they want to see. They're searching for the stuff that they experience and not finding it. And then they just give up on porn altogether. You know, to those people, I say like, you're, you're just not looking in the right places. Don't go up on Pornhub and think you're going to find queer porn or the porn with girls of size or people of color or, you know, this, this inclusive stuff. And like, to me, um, there are a lot of amazing producers of queer porn. Courtney Trouble is one right off the top of my head. Chelsea Poe is a, a trans performer and she's just amazing. And like something that, you know, Chelsea Poe has done is to kind of like push us away from the old style of thinking and the old way of talking about people into this inclusionary world. There was a big trans company that was still using you know, basically like derogatory terms like she male and chicks with dicks. And just we hear this now and we're like, Ugh, that's really offensive. So she kind of was like making this Twitter campaign to get them to stop referring to their performers in this way and like kind of recognize their humanity a little bit. <laughs> Since she was pushing for that, she made it happen. And now that company is more mindful of the terms that it uses. And that's like a huge step. And I feel like there we have a long way to go still as far as, you know, interracial porn, like because of IR, it's just like, hey, these are just human beings. Like we all just have sex. Like why should a, why does a girl get to charge more for her first IR scene or any IR scene? Like that just sounds racist. It is. I mean, it is like that's there's no real way around that. <laughs> One of my friends, when I was asking people for feedback and for what they wanted to see and didn't want to see on the podcast said, you know, be really careful with how you or he asked first, you know, don't put up IR porn because, you know, it can be exploitative. And I didn't realize that they pay more for someone's first IR scene. Like, that's kind of horrifying. It's I, I mean, that's something that I want to... But they're not going to pay a woman of color more to do a scene with a white guy. It's just th- things like that. And I feel like that's problematic. I feel like we need to be that's the... very problematic. We need to be the example of the things we want to see in the world. I mean, not only in porn as an industry, but as individual human beings. <laughs> like, I, I truly believe in that, that I think we need to be the example of what we want to see in the world. We need to be that person. You know, just being that porn is what I do. Porn is like my life. And it's the industry I work within. I want to see that happening in porn too. Personally, like I, I want to create the type of porn that I want to create. Now I do a lot of uh, custom videos. So a lot of this clips you'll see in my stores is that, but I also want to be making more passion projects for myself as well. And I want to be working with people of all sizes and shapes. I want to be working with people of all colors and ethnicities, all sexualities and uh, gender expressions. 
that's, that's kind of like my commitment with regards to LGBTQ within this industry is just to like do my best to, uh, you know, be that change and, and, and really like push that out, just take a stand, you know, be brave for people who can't and hopefully encourage them to be brave themselves and, and come out and be proud. Well, if I didn't like you before this podcast, well, God damn it, I'm a huge fan now. <laughs> Jesus. That's, I mean, it's got to be hard to try to change an industry like this, but uh, you're doing the Lord's work. Gosh darn it. No, really. I, I yes. thank you. Know, like, but thank you seriously for pushing for change in an industry that seriously needs it. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we have come a long way. Yeah. I just came from a dinner before this where I had to, I was in an argument with a guy who was saying that women don't watch as much porn as men. And I had to explain, no, 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 we, we watch a lot of porn. And I even was explaining that, you know, I was talking to you later and you specialize in girl on girl. And he was like, yeah, like men, they watch it. And I'm like, no, we women watch it as well a lot. Yeah. And also um, straight women watch girl, girl porn a lot, a lot. Um, there was this article that I, I was actually like, they didn't uh, reach out to me for an interview or anything, but they mentioned me in the article. It was a Cosmo online article and it was called the straight girl appeal of lesbian porn. That was the name of the article. And I, I used to write for Cosmo. I'm going to hunt down who wrote that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, the way the article starts is uh, talking about a girl who's, you know, lying back and going through her phone and searching for her go to, which is in Sage. <laughs> wow. Nice. And, you know, she leans back and she jerks off and she you know, has a great time with it. And um, but she's straight. You know, she has a boyfriend. She identifies as straight. Um, so it's not like these women necessarily would want to go down on a girl or eat a pussy or, you know, have that sort of attraction. But they can put themselves in the position while watching girl, girl porn of being... Or guy, guy porn. Right. Oh, lesbians watch that shit all the time too. So <laughs> so it's it's really just like... You never know what's going to yank your chain. Exactly. It's like, I don't I don't consider myself tentacle sexual, but gosh darn it, every once in a while. Yeah, no, I am I am with you on that. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> stuff really gets me going. But yeah, so I, I just think it's like a lot of times what you see in whether it's gay male or gay female is two people who are actually really getting off and really wanting to get their partner off, which I think sometimes you don't see in straight porn as much. Actually, speaking of Cosmo for two seconds, backtracking. So because I, much like Yvette, went to a religious school from pre-K to end of high school. It explains so much about both of us. It really does. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm making up for lost time. Oh, Don't honey. worry. I have a point cast. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna make up for quite a bit of it. But my point is this. So I've gotten the best advice from Cosmo, but I've also gotten the worst advice from Cosmo. Eat a donut off his oh. dick. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Even better. Wait, I no, I never ate a donut off someone's dick, but <laughs> Cosmo did once recommend to use a shoelace wrap it around his dick and they basically like the way they described it it, it almost sounded like you were doing like an indian rub oh that sounds horrifying <laughs> like this, there's there's really tender skin on a dick like really tender and oh why why cosmo no 
and I once tried it. No. I was so inexperienced. I didn't know. It was my first partner. Oh. I had no idea. So what happened? Well, things didn't go well. So. <laughs> you know what I you know what I actually want to try? That's a nutty, like it wasn't in Cosmo. At least one of you is gonna know what I'm talking about. I'm sure of it. Have any of you guys heard of grapefruiting? Yes. Or seen the video. Did you see, did you see it, Sin? It sounds like something I heard of one time. All right. Like, oh. It's this nutty video where this woman, and it's one of those things that it's so bad, it's good, it's fantastic. She slices off the top and like a dick-shaped amount of the grapefruit in the middle. And the sound, while she's demonstrating on a dildo of her going up and down, she's like, and your man will feel... Like he's having sex and getting head at the same time. And I'm like, yeah, but there's a grapefruit on his dick. That's going to stay. <laughs> it's just, I instantly feel like that the head of the dick is a glands and the citric acid no. in a grapefruit is very acidy. Yeah. <laughs> it's very acidic. Feels like that would hurt. And she suggests, she suggests blindfolding the man for some sexy time. I'm like, that is sexy things under false pretenses. <laughs> that is not okay. Yeah, that's, la- that's lack of consent. Go out and watch the video <laughs> of grapefruiting. Like, it's just, it's so fun. It's horrible and hel- it's just a, an amazing train wreck. But it's one of those things that I'm curious, but not curious enough to do it to someone. You also can't unhear it. Oh, yeah, those noises. Whew. Yeah, noises sound kind of okay. But, um, <laughs> the thing about the thing about what you're talking about is that I went uh, shopping at a sex store with my husband, and we found a toy that does exactly that thing. With, and you can put lube on it, and you can like Ooh. use your hand, and you know, and it's got texture on the inside, and it's not a fucking grapefruit. So <laughs> you don't really. There are other options, like. <laughs> Hey, you know what? And after you use a grapefruit for grapefruiting, it is a fucking grapefruit. It's a snack. Oh, snap. Very bad. Yeah. So I heard you wrestle. That was exactly what I was going to (laughs) ask. I do wrestle. Yeah. So when I started as a sex worker, like I was a stripper. That was my main source of income for like five-ish years. I did it around seven years. uh, But... I would only work occasionally in the early years because like people didn't know me. I had to like build up a thing before I started getting a lot of work in porn. But when I first started, one of the earliest things I did uh, was, you know, I knew I would do whatever I could do that was within my limits. And that's lots and lots of fetish work. So all different kinds of fetishes, there's like sleepy fetish and bondage and spanking and stuff that you would know of and stuff that's really kind of obscure. But one of the fetishes is wrestling. I started doing that in like 2004, I would say. And uh, it's just all kinds of different stuff. Sometimes it's more like simple cat fighting. Sometimes it's more specific wrestling moves. And sometimes it's like really choreographed, planned out. And it's like, for me, it's the opposite of the sex stuff. When I'm doing wrestling, I actually prefer the choreography. Like you're going to, you're going to do this move, that move. Let's make sure you know how to do this one. And, and then action, you know, and you do the the things and then it's like, okay, now we're going to do this. And to me, like, I love being physical in that way. Like it's so much fun. And I work with, you know, friends and people who are experienced and I feel really safe and it's just so much fun. (laughs) So I love doing wrestling and it's a huge fetish. I mean, it's, 
massively popular. I'm not sure if I'm more excited or or less to find out that the wrestling was a is a fetish thing. Like it, this kind of like, oh, I was expecting to find out that you were like it was like a new version of what happens in in the show Glow. I love <laughs> like that, that show. you were you were you know actually out like wrestling not a, it wasn't a fetish oh, thing you need to watch it it's so much fun but it's really cool because like when I was watching that show and they're like teaching each other moves and stuff and I'm like ah I know how to do that I know how to do that there's like real wrestling with within the fetish Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, it, real wrestling is the fetish. Oh, wow. So there's all different kinds of, so some of it is like a uh, real competitive and it's like sex fighting. So there was a site called ultimate surrender for the longest time at kink.com. And it's like, I saw that one. Yeah. And so that was real, that was real competitive wrestling. Like the girls are trying to dominate and um, you get points for like fingering and like sitting on their face and just, you know, sexual things. But um, so it runs the gamut all the way from that. And then like the winner fucks the loser with a strap on and humiliates her and all that type of thing. So all the way from that over to the other side of the spectrum where, you know, like my good friend, um, Sleeper Kid, sleeperkidsworld.com is his website. And it's his stuff is all like you can't even wear a thong. Like you have to wear like full butt bottoms and a bikini top or or full swimsuit. And um, it's just like more of the high power, like more of the. wrestling moves that you would see like in a ring like on glow or wwe or whatever like all that stuff is just like acrobatics it's just um like stunt work and so that's the type of stuff we make over there so how often would you win well so that stuff is all choreographed right but the sex fighting is not um and honestly like i i did that way back in the day since then i've had a couple like i had an injury i had a traumatic brain injury and then i also had a hip replacement so that type of stuff i kind of stay away from because when you're getting really competitive things can happen and and it's kind of just like it's it's a small risk but it's not really worth that small risk for me um but it depended on who they put me up against like cuz i i was up against some girls who are really into it and they do uh, wrestling sessions and they do real comp- competitions like not in the sex industry so if you put me with a girl like that i'd you know i'd get real close i, I mean i was pretty good but uh they would beat me because i'm not that strong and i don't train <laughs> but uh if you put me with someone who's like a little weaker than me and doesn't have a lot of technique i could beat her but yeah all the little things that I had that that I didn't know went into <laughs> went into wrestling. No, it's I'd heard of Ultimate Surrender from one of my vet life friends was I, I think into it. Rain de Grey. I don't know if she's still. I've heard I've heard that person's name before. Yeah, it's, I, I I don't know if she's still yeah. doing the thing. It's just it's been it has been years since I've used my vet life account. I actually just created one. Oh, awesome! Yeah, my my account is just completely anonymous now. <laughs> Just to keep my, my, you know, wall of separation up between one life and another. <laughs> as long as you can still indulge. I mean, I did for research, I guess. Sure, sure you did. I feel like everything <laughs> I do now for this podcast is research. I Like, I, Sin, I was telling someone on, on a Friday night that I had to stay home and watch porn. And I had to explain, no, it's for work. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like when we watch, when we analyze a porn for this, I'll sit there and take five pages of notes while I'm watching it. I mean, in between, I have to stop. That's awesome. I have to stop and take an occasional me time break, but still, I'm taking five pages of notes. So yeah, this is this is important work we're doing here. Yeah. It's we're, we're doing the Lord's work. Okay, it's I don't know which Lord, but we're doing some Lord's work somewhere i'm guessing we're just three atheists and we keep referencing god a lot so this is yeah this is great. even atheists scream oh god <laughs> it's true but so. i try not to actually i actually i say fuck instead of god <laughs> it seems on the nose that's for sure yeah <laughs> so <laughs> very true let's see we also found out that you are a gamer you're a big fan of uh, zombie video games <laughs> I mean, so the thing is about being a gamer is like, I enjoy video games. Previously, you know, or, or several years ago, I was playing them more, more often. And there's a few that I love. Um, like Red Dead Redemption is pretty much my favorite video game. And yeah, I like, I like some of the zombie games and uh, The Last of Us is a really great game. But so two things happened. My husband and I started living in our van and driving around the country. Then we can't really play video games. <laughs> I can't really bring my Xbox in my van. Also, I started my own company. I started my own business. And once once you do that, any time that you have that you're not actively working on something, you feel like you should be working on something. Like there's always something for you to work on. And so for me to sit down and just play video games for however long is very difficult because I'm just like, I need to be doing 15 other things right now. <laughs> so yeah, it's not I really a thing I... Yeah. (laughs) We can relate. I force myself to, like, as weird as it sounds, just to, because, like, if I don't do something to calm down occasionally, I have panic attacks. I force myself to play video games for 15 minutes here or there just to to take a breather. Like, I'll, I'll replay games that I've already beaten because it's just, all right, this is relaxing. This is autopilot. Yes. And it just lets my, cause it's something that I don't have to think about. Yeah. Uh, it lets my brain, like it's like, I like to think that's why my brain is working out the bigger problems in the back of it. So 10 minutes of throwing on the, like, cause I, I like the old school, easy stuff. I like Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> so 10 minutes. Of I like that, Nintendo too. Yeah. But that shit's not easy. That shit is really hard. Funny, the really <laughs> old, like, the one game I still have not beaten is the original Zelda. I can't, like that one's. A- yeah. I've actually never finished that one either. <laughs> I can hunt online and hunt down like where everything is, but think about like Zelda, the original Zelda is kind of open world. It's long. It's long. You have to like, if you it didn't know which tree you had to go yeah. and like put a set fire to, yeah. like the, you wouldn't know. You have to like press random. There's a certain part of the world that just repeats itself over and over again. But yeah, Mario games are my are my relax games. You know, I recently played Mario Kart, oh. um, and well, I didn't realize one? how horrible I was at it. Yeah, but which? Oh, like oh, it was Super kind Nintendo? of embarrassing, embarrassingly bad. It was Mario Kart. It was the original one for N sixty four. Wait, there's more than one? Yeah, Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo was the original Mario Kart, and that's the one I fucking kicked ass at. I ruled at that one. But like, once you got to Mario sixty four, and then the next one, and onward and onward, it's just like I'm terrible at them. It's I played it for the first time on Switch, and my husband and I like occasionally like we'll we'll battle something out yeah. via Mario Kart. 
Uh, and he, most of the time he kicks my ass. I've gotten yeah. better and I would occasionally. I'm like, why, how come he, I could be just on his ass, but he always wins first. And I'm like, we're literally just pushing buttons. How come you, for this? Nah. There's a joke here about <laughs> men and wrist strength. I'm just saying it's an easy joke. It's I'm, I'm going, I'm going for the low hanging fruit on this yeah. one. So. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sin, is there anything you want to promote? And where can people find you? Yes, I definitely want to promote my website. It's uh, sin-sage.com. So uh, Sin has two ends. It's a free site. You just go on it. You can look at some pictures, some galleries. You can look at some of my old newsletters, interviews, and things like that. It also has the order form if you're interested in purchasing a custom video, which is basically something that you will tell me uh, what your fantasy is, what you want to see. Like, just imagine if you could make your own porn video uh, with your favorite stars or whatever, what would you want to see? So there's a little order form you can fill out and I will do my best to make your fantasy come to life in the form of a video. That's amazing. I have never heard of that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Like I said before, that's kind of what most of us are doing these days. Yeah. And so then also you can go to my clip stores uh, where I sell the porn and fetish fun stuff that I make. So that would be sinsage.manyvids.com and also at sinsagedreams.com. So that would be my Medivids store and my Clips for Sale store. And you can please follow me on Twitter. I'm at sinsage, S-I-N-N-S-A-G-E. And please follow me on Instagram. I'm at sinsage1, the number one. I'm about to go follow you on Instagram now. Those are things. I'm on Tumblr. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So my Instagram is kind of fun because I'll post like, you know, sexy pictures, but also uh, our van travels. So anytime we're traveling, we go to some amazing places and I'll post some pictures and talk about what we're going through and things like that. So yeah, we actually just got back from Alaska for the whole summer. We drove up there and drove home oh. and it was <laughs> the most amazing thing I've ever done in my Would life. Did you see Russia from your van? No, <laughs> no, that part of Alaska actually there there is so there are so many parts of Alaska that you cannot get to via a vehicle. You have to have like a boat or a plane. So there's just like one major highway that kind of makes a circle around the interior part of Alaska, and everything else you kind of have to fly there. And so we we did what we could, and we saw what we could see, and it was just like wow. the most amazing shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> That's so cool. That's awesome. I highly recommend getting to Alaska before you die. Like I feel like everyone needs to see that shit. It's, it's fun. If you want to like kind of get to know me a little bit better? You can go to my Instagram for sure. Cool. So everyone, go check out all all of the various websites Sins listed off. Order a personalized porn from her. Go do. That's a thing you can do now. Do that. Go follow her on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, Alice, what have you got? So we have some patrons to thank. We have Snarky Vet. We have uh, Ryan Shambly. We have Joshua Rice. We have Brian. And all of our patrons get our episodes a day early. And they also get additional content. So there's going to be additional content from this interview in our Patreon. So for those of you who want to support us and get extra content and even interact with us, go to patreon.com slash two girls, one mic. And Yvette, so any final thoughts uh, or anything you want to add on before we sign off? I think that more people should be tribbing. That's all I've got. I've, it's been a, it's, I it's, agree. It's been so a, a highly informative <laughs> episode. Uh, it's sin. Thank you so much for, for joining us. You've been delightful. 
Oh, absolutely. It was, it was my pleasure for sure. You've been awesome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so thank you guys for tuning in. This has been another episode of Two Girls, One Mike. If you like us, tell a friend who watches porn, which means tell all your friends. You can find us at iTunes, Spotify, a zillion other places, of course, which are all listed on our website. Please leave us a really good review over on iTunes. We want to, we really are trying to get on to new and noteworthy, which is going to be helped out by you subscribing, leaving us a review. Go check out our Patreon. You know, if you become one of our patrons, there are a ton of delightful little rewards. And you can find uh, Yvette at The Psy Babe on Twitter. And you can find me, Alice, at Rational Blonde. And we will see you next time on Two Girls, One Mike. <laughs>